welcome to episode 63 of Friends and Film, a podcast that talks about movies and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Straley. In this episode, we're going to talk about Super Man and Mission Impossible 6, a thousand DCEU updates, Venom getting its own movie, and the Matrix reboot. Before we review Beauty and the Beast, you can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends and Film. Josh? Hello, everyone. Hello, Cooper. Glad to be back. Yeah, another week. Yes, sir. I'm finally on spring break. Midterms are over, and... I'm excited because we've got a good movie this week. Yeah, we do. We do have a good movie. Absolutely. Oh, a little preview of your review then? Yeah. Awesome. I mean, it'll be positive. I mean, All I don't right. think that's much of a surprise. I mean, I know the reviews were kind of mixed uh, going in. I don't I don't know why, but uh, we'll sure. get to that later, I guess. Um, this week, for me, uh, didn't watch a ton of movies. I watched Hands of Stone, uh, a boxing movie from last year with Edgar Ramirez and Rob De Niro. It was okay. Um, it was like it was like it was weird though because the boxing itself wasn't shot very well. And like the director was like doing all these like weird like swooping shots and stuff and like mm. not letting me see the boxing. And then all the stuff out of the rink was all about like it was like super political. Was it more? Oh, and it was just like okay. It did. I, I don't think it knew what movie it wanted to be, so I was disappointed in a boxing movie. But I was like also confused by all this political stuff happening yeah, that I was trying to send around like the lead, the main boxer. So was it set in like in a period, is it a period piece? Of yes, it is. Okay. Uh, I can't remember what year it takes place in, but, uh, I Before mean, pre civil rights maybe, or uh, is this like out of country? It's out. I think it's out of the country. I think I want to oh, say okay. it's in like Cuba or something, but, uh, I'm not positive about that, but ushers in it. So that's kind of like funny as hmm. well. Um, and then the other movie I watched last night was collateral beauty, from last year oh will smith yes yeah. i never got around to that uh well, how'd it go it was interesting but also not yeah uh i mean all the i mean it has like an a list cast in every single uh in every single part from like from will smith kate winslet uh Keira knightley edward norton michael pena yeah. yeah i mean like it's it's insane but like it's like weirdly paced and then the end tries i think too hard to be something that i don't think it was building up to be okay um so it's it's a very weird ending which i didn't like um but then i also spent my whole day friday binge watching iron fist ah, the, on netflix uh, the, the newest, next marvel yeah. uh series and that one also was getting a lot of hate from critics uh they would only seen the six episodes um, but I, I quite enjoyed the series. Um, it lacks the martial arts that you would expect from uh, a series. What? I mean, there, it's in That's there. The thing. It's in there, but it's not as great as it should be okay. or as prevalent as it should be. Um, but it's still it's still fine. Um, I don't think it, I think it's the worst of the Marvel Netflix stuff, but I would still if you're a fan of that, so I would still recommend it. Okay, um, sure, sure. What did you watch this I week? I mean, I. I'm going to blame it on the midterms, but I only caught one movie this week, and mm-hmm. that was checking out Captain America, the Winter, or not the Winter Soldier, the first Avenger okay. on Sunday night. And I had forgotten who was in that movie. Not oh, only yeah. do you have like the slew of uh, who's who in Marvel, but you've also got Tommy Lee Jones as the general. And then I always forget this, but Stanley, uh, Stanley Tucci. Tucci. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't occur to me until I'm watching him die on there. I'm like, Oh my, that's Stanley Tucci. Yeah. I, I think it's a waste. I would love to have him back yeah, so for stuff. But I'm I got my Jeff Goldblum and those are those are two of my veteran <laughs> actors that I just love. Yeah. So I'm happy. Um 
we obviously both saw Beauty and the Beast this week. And before yes. we get to all the news coming out this week, I had a kind of awkward theater experience this week. Because I, I took my three sisters to go see it. And we were seeing it at Regal, uh, which if you live in Fort Wayne, you know it's like the only place around here that has recliners. And so it's like it's more of like a nice, a quote-unquote nice theater. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like near the end of the movie almost. And my sister, Emma, who's on, right next to me, she like had her phone out because she's like checking like a text message or something, and some lady like walked over like behind us and was like, um, "Excuse me, can you please, you know, try to hide your phone better or turn the brightness down?" Ooh. And it was like it was really awkward and like it, I would admit the phone was a little bright, but sure. And I, I mean, it always kind of annoys me when other people like on their phones like blatantly just like sitting there. Yeah. But like if you're trying to hide it, I, I'll give you a pass. Um, so I was pretty awkward and i just wanted to know like what are some like theater habits from other people that annoy (laughs) you or a really awkward experience that you've had well i mean habits in general like i I would say i'm a pretty big stickler on the phone Mm -hmm. but i break that rule too when you start to suck so Mm -hmm. i have to give people you know the pass on that because it's all about taste but the weirdest experience i've ever had was seeing the awful b horror movie unfriended that all takes place uh-huh. on somebody's Mac screen, you know, with oh, Skype and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised, but there were at least like 50 or 60 teenagers who were clearly like 15 and 16 uh-huh. at this rated R movie. And it was at the same cinema, uh, the Regal. Then um, we had uh, ushers coming in, checking tickets, checking like uh, what how old kids were and they were kicking them out by like the fives and tens. (laughs) And by the time it was all over, what started as a full theater was like reduced down to like 50 people. I, I, it was so weird. And then the movie was terrible and I, I I just, I couldn't have been about it. (laughs) So yeah, that was my weirdest theater experience. Alrighty. Uh, well we are going to get to some news. We do have, uh, the announcement of our giveaway for the Kong's boat poster. So stick to the end of the episode to hear out, to hear if you uh, won that or not. But we're going to start with the flyby and uh, to go off our review of Kong Skull Island last week, Jordan Vote Roberts actually likes my idea for what I, the movie I would have rather seen. And he told Cinema Blend that the movie he's most interested in making is not a Kong 2. It'd be a spinoff movie with John C. Riley. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I agreed with you. I said I love this idea, uh, especially because just 10 seconds ago, I had an idea for who plays opposite him. Uh-huh. And it's Donnie Yen. It's perfect. Because if, if, John, it, if it's the aged version? Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, if you got John C. Riley back right. there. Right. So yeah, I'm be, all about it. That would be awesome. Uh, I'm glad. I don't know. He probably didn't listen to the podcast to hear that, but I'm glad to know that me and Jordan Vore Roberts on the same page as for his future with the MonsterVerse. Um, we could see Samuel Jackson uh, make an appearance in John Wick 3. Apparently, he told... Uh, Simon Thompson on Meet the Movie Press this week that that's the franchise he wants to join most doing that over a Nick Fury movie or anything else. He will do whatever it takes to get in John Wick 3, and I would be all about that. Oh, yeah. And you almost have to believe it's going to happen. It's not, you know, Star Wars where he wished Mace, he couldn't, he was trying to wish Mace Windu into existence. This is John Wick, and we don't know if. Lawrence Fishburne's a good guy or not. So I think, you know, throw Sam Jackson in there. Maybe he's the villain. Maybe he's the, the, the savior to yeah whatever the case may be yeah, i mean i think he'd be perfect as like the head of the high table i mean he played kind of that soup that uber rich guy in kingsman yeah 
and I don't I don't need the lisp this time, even though it's hilarious. <laughs> um, just something like that where he's just like the most powerful man in this world that fits Sam Jackson perfectly. Or I would love to see him also just be the old assassin looking to get one more hit. And if you get John Wick, you're getting a pretty big payday and then he could retire. So then he would be the villain. Either way, I think uh, John Wick 3 needs Samuel Jackson now, and I'll be disappointed if it doesn't yes. happen. Um, I'm also disappointed, apparently, that Mulan is not going to have any songs. Uh, director Nikki Takaro told that to Movie Phone uh, this week. Uh, I'm pretty disappointed. I My gut reaction was, what? But then I thought about it a little more, okay? And what? Do you remember The Hobbit? Yes. Okay. They, they put the music in there, and it worked. But it also didn't work at times. Yeah. What I would love is, as long as I get some kind of rendition of Make a Man Out of mm-hmm. You by some artist, it could be anybody, probably Mumford and Sons. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe not. This is, this is an Asian movie, so uh, they probably have to shift their focus elsewhere. But I, I, I could get behind it because it may mean the movie's more action-centered. Yeah. I, there's a lot of room for some sweet action in here. Yeah, I mean... Disney's taken two approaches so far with Beauty and the Beast. It was straight on musical where they even went out of the way to make new songs to make the movie longer yeah. and everything. Um, but then they like Jungle Book, Bare Necessities was in there, but like just barely. Where it was just kind of like, what what is this? Um, and I guess uh, the King other, of Swing. Yeah, King of Swing's yeah. in there, but also like not too heavily. Um, and I, w- I could see them doing something like that with. Uh, with Mulan and doing like I'll make a man out of you where it kind of starts off like they're talking and then it kind of becomes sort of like a melody, but it's not like too heavy handed. Um, or some kind of chant while marching. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I would love to see the Mulan songs make their way into the movie. So hopefully they could maybe find a way to work around this. Um, but we are also going to move on to the alien franchise and Ridley Scott told Fandango this week that's, we may know the title for the next alien movie, but it may also take place between Prometheus and alien covenant. Yeah. And if that is the case, it's going to be titled alien awakening. Yeah. This is just an eye roll. Uh, especially because this is the interview where he kind of like, he's like, is it a prequel? Is it a sequel? I don't know yet. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> How do you not know? Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Title. Sure. Whatever. Alien awakening. Okay. Um, I don't want to see them go back again than to like before covenant and do like do like the story of david and uh numi rapace's character uh elizabeth shaw do like a movie of them after prometheus but before covenant because then it's like why don't you just do that next um Mm -hmm. i'd rather just see them keep moving forward with this universe and not going back but then moving forward and then going back again yep um so I don't know, but I am on board for Henry Cavill joining Mission Impossible 6. Director Christopher McQuarrie made the announcement this week on Instagram, and Henry Cavill, uh, he like posed the question. He's like, hey, Henry, do you want to join the join the team? And then Henry Cavill commented, he's like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so like, obviously that had already been in place, um, but I, I like this addition. I'm not sure if he is on Ethan Hunt's team or if he's going to be maybe the villain. I think either way, it's a different step in his career that I'm on board for. Yeah. Uh, I've really liked him in man of uncle. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's Superman, but uh, seeing him kind of take a role that was his own for the first time was great. And though I have not seen a mission impossible movie yet, I am very interested in the sixth one now mm-hmm. because 
he seems to be one of the guys I can tolerate there. <laughs> so fantastic. Yes. Um, but moving on to some trailers, we got our first trailer, or maybe it's our teaser trailer. It's not teaser, really sure. Yeah. Uh, for Coco, the next Pixar movie sent around the Day of the Dead. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, I wasn't sure at the moment. I mean, Pixar animation continually takes a step up. Looking at this kid's eyes, like that just blows me away. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe it. Um, like Moana level type stuff, but I'm not sure where the story's going. I think mm-hmm. it's super interesting. Like that, um, like the heritage there about like how people just pass into the afterlife. That's on that side of things. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see more from this before I completely get on board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made me interested. I think, I mean, it's Pixar, so I don't have a reason to doubt them. That's why that's one of the reasons I'm like interested in the movies because yeah. it's Pixar. So, uh, I think I'll be more on board once another trailer comes around. We get more of that story, but, uh, I mean, it looks like they're not going to implement a lot of music, uh, with his like guitar playing abilities. So that could be really cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm sure it'll be great yeah, or at least good at sure. the very least. It's got, um, Gail Garcia Bernal who, uh, does Mozart in the jungle, which is a hilarious Amazon video series. Uh, so I'm, I'm very intrigued. Yeah. What'd you think of the new trailer for Despicable Me 3? Uh, you know, I thought Belthazar Bratz Castle is super sweet. Uh, it's got a Rubik's Cube on top, which is a satellite, I think, <laughs> or whatever. But I'm, I don't know about this whole Gru with a twin brother twist. Yeah. Voiced by Steve Carell himself, too. Uh, I think it could be interesting. But, I mean, you seem to be a little bit uh, I mean, I, turned off by I, it. I liked the first trailer for Despicable Me 3. Um I've liked the first two movies mm-hmm. um, and the, the twist of Gru having a twin brother, Drew who has a full head of hair when he did like the hair flip that did make me chuckle a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's like they're just like kind of trying to figure out what else to do with this character. And like, okay, well after you went good, let's make him go bad again. Right. <laughs> yes. So it's like, okay. I'd be like, is that going to be, is that going to be earned? Or is that just forced? Um, I mean, the minions bit where they're like showing his current life as opposed to what he would be doing if he was a villain. I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was cute. Um, but I thought this was a worse trailer than the one we got before. So yeah. maybe a little less interested. Yeah, the story, the story is kind of playing out weird. But hopefully, once I get to it, I'll laugh because I mean, the first, the second one, I was like, is there really a reason for this? Mm-hmm. And I ended up liking it. So hopefully, yeah. that's the case here. Yeah, we also got a new trailer for Transformers: The Last Nights. Uh, Again, another trailer that I was on board for the first trailer, and now I'm not. Because <laughs> this what? one, I mean, I, I get what they're going for, and they're targeting a younger audience and everything, but I felt like it was just so heavy-handed in, like, the like that Isabel Moner's going to be, like, the lead, and, like, she's, like, trying to stand up to Megatron and be like, I'm not scared of you, and you're like whatever like oh man what like what is happening i don't know and then like the comedy of um the t-rex dinobot just like eating a car and puking (laughs) it up and i'm like this all seems like kid comedy and obviously i think that's what they're going for with this trailer i mean i think it premiered at the casey at the kids choice awards um it debuted in front of beauty and the beast like they're definitely this was targeted for kids so i don't know if this is this are the tone of the entire movies as a trailer 
I am not on board, even though there was like a, a cool Bumblebee versus um, uh, Optimus, Optimus Prime, Prime yeah. like moment again, but I, I'm not a big fan of this. Okay, one. yeah, I mean the context is important. That's a good thing because we get some, uh, we get highly Squeak is highly featured. Mm-hmm. He's the little scooter bike, yeah, BB-8 style cute robot transformer person i mean there's little dino bots that are mm-hmm. cuddling with isabella and stuff but i like i thought it was kind of cool because it felt like a nike ad where yeah that's like, what was like weird about it <laughs> yeah i know i i dug it but she's talking to an audience of you know kids on tv because that's when it debuted mm-hmm. correct so I, I forgave that part but then there's also there there's a goonies vibe to it there's these kids out there in this wasteland of where the transformers are supposedly at where they like kind of like were destroyed or killed or still kind of roam around under sanction by an international power mm-hmm. i'm assuming i haven't seen the movie yet that's what i got but i I thought it was awesome. And I think Isabella Moner could end up being a bonafide star out of this movie. And um, she seems to have, you know, I, really good really good chops, you know, in action movies. So who knows? I mean, I'm not thinking X-23 already, but possibly. <laughs> uh, so I I thought it was okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I, I don't think it's a great trailer. I, I, I am intrigued by her character a little bit more from it, though, because mm-hmm. it looks like she has some connection to Autobots and like knowing where they're at. She's cuddling with Dinobots. I don't know if that's before or after she meets Mark Wahlberg. Um, like is she some part of like some underground like organization, like keeping like all, all the Autobots safe. Like, I don't know what's happening there, but it was like, how do you know where all these Autobots are? And like, why are you protecting them? Why are they protecting you? Yeah. Maybe there's, that's where like, maybe she's like the new chosen one and she's going to pick up like the Excalibur at the end or something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, we did get a new trailer for Wonder Woman as well, possibly the final one. Mm-hmm. Uh, what'd you think of this one? I uh, absolutely loved it. I mean, we get Diana, Diana's backstory, which is, which leads to some of the coolest scenes oh, yeah. that we haven't seen before, especially the training regiment that she's undergoing with Robin Wright. And I don't, I, I'm sad because I know Robin Wright's going to be in the, like the first 20 minutes of this movie and then probably not seen again. Right. But she is killing it in everything that she's doing. And there's this high octane arena style, like training exercise where there's like 20 Amazonians going after Diana and she's just taking them all down until finally there's the, the gauntlets yeah. and whatever happens with that. Is just so sweet. Um, and then there's also a, fun, a funny part that I, I laugh at every time I see it. And it's when she's trying to fit through the door mm-hmm. at the end of the movie with the sword and shield. And like, like I just want to walk around my, with yeah. my sword and shield in public. No big deal. And I thought that was a funny thing at it. Um, wh- what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I thought, I thought it was great as well. Um, I mean the part where she's battling against, I think it's when she's battling Robin, Wright. Yeah. And she like Robin, Wright Throws a spear at her and then she does like that twist jump over to dodge. I was like, that was pretty sweet. Uh, and then when Rob Wright does a triple arrow <laughs> shot, I was like, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I definitely want to see more of her in action. And I'm guessing like, like you said, she'll be in it for the first 20 minutes or so until Chris Pine arrives. And then once Diana leaves, she's probably out of the rest of the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was really good. The action looks good. Uh, I mean, yeah, the bit at the end, there's some comedy in there, which, you know, is nice. Um, I definitely think it is heavy handed in who it hints is the real villain of the film. Oh yeah. Um, cause there's a moment where Danny Hist Huston, uh, is like in a very weird, like 
growly voice is like, who do you think you are? And like, um, like she's like been seen like throwing him around and stuff. I don't think she's throwing around an elderly man for no reason. Uh, he's probably somebody else, um, which is maybe a spoiler, but so I won't say who, uh, but we've talked about it previously on the right. podcast and with toy reveals and everything. I, I am, if that is the case, I'm at least glad that they didn't show it here. Definitely. So they didn't do another doomsday thing. <laughs> of course. Cause that's what I was anticipating after he did. I was like, it's going to end. And he's, it's going to be his transformation into something else. And then it didn't. And I was like, okay, cool. Like, thank you, WB, for leaving that surprise for the theater. So that was really the big takeaway I had from it. Yeah, totally. And then we got to see Dr. Poison, Dr. Mora. Yeah. Mura. Um, she's fi- featured not prominently, but mm-hmm. we finally get a really good look at her one, two seconds while she's working with some of her poisons and gases. So that was sweet. And I can fully say... I am super ready for Wonder Woman coming June. June 3rd, yeah. I believe. And every time I hear that, that I don't know if the violins or yeah, whatever it's, it's it is. Yeah, it's a cellist. The, yeah, that cellist noise that they have like to make the Wonder Woman, her, her, her call, theme, her yeah. theme is so cool. So I I can't wait for this. Yeah, it's grown on me since BVS. Because in BVS, when it just like kicks in at the Doomsday Bow, I was like, this is kind of like, it doesn't fit. But it, it comes with, yeah. with all the trailers, it it it's made me like it a lot. More. In BVS, it comes in at that moment where he's like, "Is she with you? Thought she was with you." Yeah, so you're like, like you're yeah. like mm. a little bit, a little bit ruined the moment. But yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't know. Uh, let's move on to Suicide Squad Two, where we have a report from the Hollywood Reporter that Adam Kozad is in discussions to write the sequel. Uh, previously is done. He did the last Jack Ryan movie with Chris Pine. And then he recently did the legend of Tarzan, both movies. I am not a huge fan of. So this addition doesn't make me overly positive. Uh, give me like a lot of good feelings about the movie, but it's just the first script. I'm sure there can be many changes. Um, what did you think about the addition of uh, Kozad joining Suicide Squad 2 potentially? I haven't seen either of the two movies he's done last. Um, Legend of Tarzan, I know, did some interesting things, I hear. Yeah. Or at least made some good choices on some certain areas. It still looked like an over overly done CGI mm-hmm. you know, nightmare, which was fine. That's a directorial choice. Uh, but if you can write a good story, I'm sure that's why they picked him up. Yeah, I can't can't blame him, but Suicide Squad two has to, you know, um, earn a lot of cred back before I give him the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they didn't hire anybody that has existing ties to the universe, so I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, if anything, that one takeaway from this could be his background doing PG thirteen movies. Um, I know mean, we we talked last week about WB maybe want to do an R rated movie, and maybe Suicide Squad two could be that movie he could obviously always change that his style up a little bit and make an R rated movie uh, or an R rated script, but maybe that's the direction they're leaning. Uh, and maybe to make that even more evident uh, on meet the movie press, Simon, uh, not Simon Thompson, the other co-host Jeff Snyder said that he's heard Wom Colette Sarah from the shallows unknown nonstop. Uh, he is also in the mix to direct. What do you think about that? Ooh. Well, I mean, as Liam Neeson was in this movie, I would say, yes, perfect. Yeah, maybe he will be. Uh, what is it? Run All Night, Nonstop, and All Known are the ones he's done with him. I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're all they're all great movies. They're 
they're very moody um, with a grovelly cast or a lead because, I mean, that's what Liam Neeson plays. Mm-hmm. I, I think he could totally get it done. Um, I like this choice over the assumed front runner, the projected front runner, the possible front runner, Mel with Gibson. Mel Gibson. Um, but like I said, there's a lot here that's, you know, that it's going to take for me to say, oh, Suicide Squad 2, let's go, baby. Right, let's yeah. go. So, I mean, what about you? Have you seen um, Nonstop Unknown? Yeah, I, I've seen I, I've seen Nonstop once, Unknown once, I think. I saw The Shallows last year uh, in theaters. They're all fine action thriller type movies. Um, so that could help him with Suicide Squad 2 at least. Um, I did notice that like it's interesting that this comes out like only a couple like was it last week we were talking about the Bumblebee director and like he was in the mix for that. So like he's obviously getting more interest from studios. So if it's not this movie, he'll probably join a high profile movie um, very very soon. Um, so I don't know. I I would still I think rather see um, uh, Ruben Fleischer uh, from Zombieland. I think he's the one that of that list I am most interested in currently. Um, So we'll have to wait and see whether or not this pans out. Um, But we also have another director in the mix for a DC movie with collateral reporting that uh, Matthew Vaughn is being eyed for man of steel two. And apparently it may not be a direct sequel to the film in some cases where io nine reports that it could be a quote soft reboot of the character um, this would obviously be post Justice League and everything. So, would you like the idea of Matthew Vaughn taking on a almost newer version of Superman? Well, uh, yes. I mean, has Matthew Matthew Vaughn hasn't let me down in his last two films, two and a half? Uh, yeah. I mean, Days of Future Past. Great, fantastic. Well, he no, he did First Class. First Class. Oh, yeah. did he produce Days of Future Past? Yeah, I, I mean, he probably got producer credit, but sure. that was Brian Singer's movie. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, the First Class, two great X-Men movies, or, well, First Class, one great X-Men mm-hmm. movie. If he did any work on Days of Future Past, great too. But Kingsman, yeah. the, the movie that I am so waiting for in 2017, uh, well, the sequel anyway, yes. but who mixes fun, you know, energy and fantastic fighting scenes, uh, would be perfect for this he, he's he's like the lighter side of Zack snyder in some yeah. ways uh so i would would absolutely love to have this guy on board the soft reboot thing though i don't know what that means mm-hmm. but i'm always interested in it yeah i think this would be a great choice uh i like man of steel too i don't love it uh, i know there's a lot of people who don't like it at all um so i think there's room for improvement moving forward with this franchise and in a post-Justice League world where he is now back from the dead, he maybe has a new outlook on life. That's maybe how the soft reboot happens. He's back from the dead, and he's like, you know, I was a little down in the dumps last time I was sure. I was alive. This time I need to be a little more positive, go more out of my way to spend time with Lois and my family, and really focus on saving people and doing what it takes to be Superman and living up to those, those expectations. So I think that's where that soft reboot could maybe come in, where it's not a reboot of the character, where like Henry Cavill's not going to play the character, but right. it's just going to be his outlook. And maybe the color palette is not going to be as grim. It's going to be lighter. It's going to be the more standout blue and red and yellows on his suits. Um, 
and I think I think that could work. I think Matthew Vaughn would be a great guy to do that. Uh, obviously, it's not going to be R rated like you know Kingsman is, yeah. but. I mean, you look at first class and he was the one who, who allowed the X-Men to wear their traditional X-Men suits in the comics, or at least bring the yellow into him. Um, and I think he would do the same thing with Superman. And I, I like the idea of him telling this new story of Superman where he's back alive. What does this mean? What does this mean for his outlook and everything? And I know Collider's report said that if he doesn't, for some reason, make it to Man of Steel 2, that WB is still interested in him doing a number of other films as well. Yes. So either way, I think it's going to only be a matter of time before he tackles a DCEU film. But I think he'd be a great choice for Man of Steel 2 if it happens. I keep forgetting that Kingsman was rated R. Yeah. But, man, okay. I don't really know how. It's pretty violent, and the yes. ending is very not PG-13. Absolutely. So... Uh, I think and that's my thing. Like his stylized action, like he could definitely put a new twist on Superman. And everything. Absolutely. Um, moving over to the other big star of the DCEU, it's Batman, and we've talked a lot about him this year already, and we have a lot more updates on the Batman. According to Justin Kroll from Variety, production is not expected to begin until 2018 because Matt Reeves is going to be working on War for the Planet of the Apes until July. That's when he's contracted to be working on and doing press and everything. So he's not going to even start looking at the Batman until late July or August at the earliest. So then casting is not going to start until late this year. Production will begin early 2018. Do you think this is good, bad, uh, yeah. different? I, I think it's, I think it's great. I mean, listen, I was all about it, you know, getting an October 2018 slot. It's not the case, no. but Matt Reeves being there, and all of his talents, his ability to assemble a team, uh, gives me the confidence that it actually gives me the gives me the clarity to know that he it's best to push this because that way he can get his processes in, he can get his ideas to pay, pen to paper, and we can get a great Batman movie. Yeah, I mean, I know, I think there's something we've we talked about that it wouldn't be out of the question for this thing not to start until 2018. So this report doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, it makes me feel more confident in Matt Reeves, the director, because if they were like, well, he's going to start filming in September, then it's like he's he has a month to right. work on the script and get his ideas implemented and everything. That, do, that doesn't work for a director, and it wouldn't, that wouldn't be the Matt Reeves version of Batman I'd want to see uh, unless he like handed off the post-production process to, on War of the Apes to somebody else, which I can't see him doing. Um, I do think it's interesting to note that this is now going to start production post-Justice League, like a good two months probably post-Justice League. So WB is going to see the reactions to Justice League and maybe make potential necessary changes, whether that means changing up the tone of Matt Reeves' Batman a little bit, whether that means allowing Ben Affleck to step away from the role. Ooh. I think there's a lot of possibilities there that because if Batman is our production before justice league, you can't recast Batman <laughs> because then going to justice league, you're just like, that's not the bat. Like Ben Affleck's no longer Batman. So this movie is like in an odd position. So now that it's post justice league, you could have army hammer or somebody else step in as Batman post justice league and still have Justice League do its run and then make that explanation to fans of why this is taking place or 
how this Batman movie is taking shape without Affleck. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be unbelievable if somehow or some way Matt Reeves got notes from executives post justice. I, at least I think it would be crazy to think that after everything they would look at a movie and say, "Hey, uh, we know we fought with you about creative control, but mm-hmm. you actually need to do it like this." No, no yeah, I, I mean, I think it's more of the announcements then. Like you could you could still make like it's very possible i think that matt reeves knows ben affleck is not going to do the film and that he is writing for somebody else in mind or they already have another actor contracted to play batman but you can't start production on on a batman movie without ben affleck before justice league and not have everybody freak out and then have the justice league press tours just be absolute disasters for the entire state of the dcu i see what you're saying yeah i think I don't think it would be somewhere where after Justice League they would make the decision, you know what, let's go in a different direction. I think it's possible they've already made that decision and that we won't find out about it until after Justice League, which is why they're waiting a little longer to start production. Gotcha. You're speaking to the marketing aspects right. of things and avoiding um, un- bad PR and unnecessary bad press for a film. Yes. But I think it would be unbelievable too for Aflac to step away from the project. I mean, he's been dealing with a lot. Yes. And I think... I think the Batman movie works as a good reset for a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, it could be. That's I've, I was listening to another podcast about his statement he did this week about what he's been dealing with the past couple of months, um, going through rehab and everything. And they were like, you know, if you are Affleck and you – because there were reports, we don't know if they're true or not, that he wants out of the character, whether that is after Batman or after Justice League, if – he makes the. I mean, he made this statement that you know this has been a very troubled time for him. If he then goes to WB and says, "I don't think I would work well under these circumstances as a star dealing with what I'm dealing with," I don't know how you, if you're WB, you say, "Well, too bad," because yeah. you have to do this. So we're just putting pieces together and speculating. So I don't think this is definitely happening, but. It could all line up very well that maybe these seeds are being laid early on for reasoning behind him possibly stepping away. Well, that That's a very good case. and But whatever it is, I do hope at the end of the day um, he's fine with his, his decisions and continues to um, do what's best for himself. Yeah, and maybe part of this could be why, according to Slash Film, Matt Reeves has ordered a complete rewrite of the script they're starting from scratch nothing is set in stone anymore uh maybe that is to rework it without affleck i still think that'd be really surprising for him to step away in any capacity um but that's at least the report out there now that matt reeves is going to rewrite the script from scratch i don't know if that is already happening now or if that also has to wait until after war for the planet of the apes to get started or if he gave his idea to somebody else and said Give me a, a rough draft of this, so then come July, I can give you the polished version. I would I would say it's that. I mean, Matt Reeves has probably got a thousand ideas in his head. Farm them out to a few people and see what he gets back. Yeah. Uh, it, because especially, like you said, if he's working on Planet of the Apes movie, which probably has CG work up until you know the, the day, day before the yeah. day it goes to goes to tape or footage or however theaters do that now usbs yeah. yeah is that what it is i mean basically I wow. mean, they, they give them hard drives with the movies cool um so yeah i imagine that's what's going down 
and you know a, a complete rewrite i'm sure there's some elements maybe lying around but i love the fact that matt reeves is doing what he wants because i, I this guy's great mm-hmm. and i know for a fact that if he gets to start from square one and go forward he's gonna churn out a great film yeah i mean this i think just gives me even more confidence in the film like so much uh, confidence oddly today. enough like all these delays for batman <laughs> are like good things in my mind because it tells me that you know matt reeves is doing his version and that wb is allowing him to do that whatever it takes um and they're they're gonna let him wait and rewrite the script take the necessary time to do that um like it seems like good things i, I mean obviously it throws everything else into question of who who's going to appear we've heard all rumors about maybe this villain could appear i mean i'm sure i'd be shocked if jk simmons doesn't still appear as commissioner gordon because he's already established in justice league um now there are reports um or a quote from joe manchinello um, telling pittsburgh today live when asked if he's going to still appear in the batman he said um maybe we'll see so i think deathstroke's your status as the main villain is definitely in flux right now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think I think this is good news because, in my mind, it doesn't it it continues to push everybody away from that perspective of we're going to make this movie as quick as possible yes. just to get it in theaters, and instead they're taking the approach of we're going to let Matt Reeves do his thing and get this right. Absolutely. Do you do you think Manganiello may not be in it or? What do you think Deathstroke's future is now? I think his statement was as true as it could have possibly have been when he said it. Yeah. I mean, everything everything could go on the cutting room floor. It's all up for debate. So they've got to justify this new position. They've got to create this new story, justify who would be in it, why they'd be in it. I love, love the idea of having Deathstroke in. I think he's just a villain that hasn't been done yet. Um in the DC film universe uh, where he can, you know, be shown in all of his glory. Mm -hmm. So I hope he makes it in, in some kind of capacity. Uh, This being said, I know Matt Reeves isn't going to, you know, just feature a guy because he's awesome. There's got to be a story there. So a little bit disappointing, but uh, everything else, you know, in comparison makes that peanuts. Right. And I think, I mean, even if he doesn't appear in the Batman Joe Manganiello is not going to walk away from the Deathstroke role. I don't think WB is going to find a way to bring him in, whether that be in Gotham City Sirens or Suicide Squad 2 or Justice League 2 or whatever that may be. He's still going to be in this universe. I don't think you're going to just be like, well, Matt Reeves doesn't want him, so Joe Manganiello, you can go do whatever else you want. Yeah, like, of course. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem like a good business move. Um, so we'll have to wait and see whether or not he will appear, and we will also have to wait and see who is the director for Green Lantern Corps, but we may have a new contender, or really the first contender, with Jeff Snyder saying on Meet the Movie Press that David Goyer, who's currently writing the script for Green Lantern Corps, could make the jump to director as well. Ooh. Well, has Goyer done any director directing yet? He's done, I think, three films and then a couple of TV episodes. Okay. I think his biggest film, like production budget-wise, would probably be Blade Trinity. <laughs> The oh. third Blade movie. Uh, wow. I've, I've not seen Blade Trinity. Wesley um, Snipes is in that, though. Yes, Wesley Snipes. Uh, I believe Ryan Reynolds is in that, too. Young Ryan Reynolds. Uh, wow. And Jessica Biel, if I 
remember the cast correctly, even though I haven't seen it. Um, so, or no, it's no, it's not it's not Ryan Reynolds. It's um, uh, Norman Reedus. Oh, from Walking Dead is in there. Snap. Um, but so I don't have a lot of confidence in Goyer necessarily making the jump to directing Green Lantern Corps because yeah. it would be a likely $150 million budget film that is definitely far above anything he's done before. But if the script, the scripting process is running smoothly, maybe WB is looking at that and going, he knows what he's doing. We know he has maybe not had the best track record in the past, but he best understands this version we're going for. Mm -hmm. He's had his hand in the Nolan trilogy and BVS and everything. Maybe this is the right time for him to make this jump and it could turn out great yeah he's very much an insider for better or worse but i think that means that the studio has some amount of confidence in the guy's ideas and if that means translating it um especially something intricate like green lantern which needs a lot of things to go right for you to like it i, mm-hmm. I think because it's, it's complicated yeah um it's a, with lots of backstory and subject matter if you get the writer out there making sure things go correctly um not only is it great for the studio and the movie but david himself so i i will watch with bated breath um but hopefully we get a good Lantern movie yeah i mean we'll, we'll get one eventually Despite the director i would hope it's somebody other than goyer though okay um we also have to wait a little longer for aquaman now as the film was pushed back like two months and two weeks or something uh, previously on an October 5th, 2018 release date is now coming out December 21st. Uh, what do you think about this? Well, I, I don't understand. Um, October seemed the perfect fit for an Aquaman movie directed by none other than James Wan, mm-hmm. like the scary horror Halloween, yeah. all those connections, but then to push it to December, 2018, um, which seems to be like it's getting, becoming a very packed month for superstar movies. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Uh, I am not sure what the point is. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe this is something where they're going to try to wait a longer to start production on the project for whatever reason that could be. Um, like you, I thought October for a horror director doing Aquaman seemed like a perfect spot. Maybe that means they're not going to go as dark and scary and they're going to make it more family friendly. And that's why they want that christmas day so that you know families everybody who's on christmas vacation they can flock to go see aquaman it has stiff competition coming out i think the same week as mary poppins returns Mm -hmm. that's gonna have a lot of star power uh and uh just a lot of attachment to that coming into it yeah um plus i know we both had the theory last week that maybe avatar 2 leaving on this day, this was their. This, this was Avatar 2's previous date that we could see Episode Nine coming in. I mean, uh, in not December. even coming in; it's still there, technically, right? Episode Nine. Yeah. Episode Nine is dated for May twenty nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. So, I think if production starts this summer, it would have enough time to make that date. Um, but I mean, there's also been theories that maybe. Han Solo could be pushed to December to, if you know Disney wanted to because it's been so good for them. It seems like that's not going to be the case at this point, but you never know. Um, so I think just out of that possibility of maybe coming toe-to-toe with a Star Wars movie, I would not go anywhere near 
you know, December if I was WB. But right. I mean, I understand if if they know that, you know, that Star Wars and all their big franchises are not going to be in there, then this could make sense. Yeah, de- definitely. Especially if it looks like May is going to be the reordering point for those mm-hmm. Star Wars franchise films. I am disappointed. I'm surprised the movie hasn't started production yet. No, I think last I heard from Jason Momoa, or not I heard because I don't talk to Jason Correct. Momoa, but last quote I saw from him uh, was early in the year, and he said they're going to start in like four to five months, which put them in May to start production. So it's not unreasonable to hit an October release date with a May start date, but maybe they just want a few extra months to get post-production in because it's going to be a very CGI-heavy film because it is going to largely take place underwater, I would assume. And, you know, Jason Moe is not going to be actually be able to talk underwater. I've got to CGI him into those environments and everything. So maybe that's the reason why. Uh, I also know that it has to go up against um, the animated Spider-Man film that same weekend. So it's going to literally be Marvel DC, <laughs> Marvel vs. DC that <laughs> weekend. So I think that's another reason why I think it's a strange move. But yeah. Then again, maybe WB knows something we don't. All right. The reason I was so surprised was because they were doing screen test footage for Momoa in the underwater environments. And Zack yeah. Snyder shared that online mm-hmm. and kind of how that process goes. So I was it's like, I whoa, think that's whoa. from Justice League, though. Oh, is that so? I think I, th- I mean, I would assume so since okay. it's Snyder. That's I don't a good know. Point. I don't know why he would be doing James Bond's work. That's um, a good point. But. Then again, I mean, I, I, then I think after, because there were some questions about that mm-hmm. footage in particular, Snyder shared the behind-the-scenes photo from Justice League yeah. where it's just him suspended, in a, green suspended in a huge green environment with a green man behind him and everything. And he was saying that the body you see in that, that's all Moa's movement, but then the hair and all the, the environment around him, that's all CG. Yeah, it's crazy. So um, that's Aquaman. And the last bit of DC news we have... Uh, Justin Kroll on Twitter said that WB, because of the delay of production on the Batman, they still want to shoot another film this year outside of Aquaman. And the contenders he's hearing are Gotham City Sirens, The Flash, Green Lantern Corps, Suicide Squad 2, and Dark Universe, a.k.a. Justice League Dark. Ooh. That doesn't, I don't like the sound of we want to shoot another movie. Yeah. Uh, but Sirens seems like the closest. Yeah, I mean... Sirens has a director. It's had a director for months that he's been working on the script. Uh, I've always thought that it would be, they would find a way to make that a short production period and then have Gotham City Sirens come out sometime early to mid 2018. I don't know if that is actually possible. Um, Maybe it'll take that October release date and that's why, you know, Aquaman moved no idea, um, but it still has to start production very soon. Flash doesn't have a director, so I don't think that's even possible. And we haven't heard anything about Dark Universe since Doug Liman joined. And that was like last, like October or yeah, something. Like it's really been, it's like it's been like six ago. months since we've heard anything about Dark Universe. Uh, if David Goyer is going to do Green Lantern, maybe he could have time to then, you know, in the next. You know, we still have 11 or we still have nine months left in this year. So I'm sure there's that's enough time to finish yeah. pre-production and get shooting started. Um, same with Suicide Squad 2. But if I had to go with one, they want to start 
I would say it's Gotham City Sirens yeah. for sure. Capitalizing on one of the hottest properties right now, which mm-hmm. is Harley Quinn for yeah. sure. And another interesting point about Aquaman then about the move is if that is the only DC movie out in 2018, that's uh, 13 months between DC films, between Justice League and then Aquaman. So that's a, that's a long time. That's a lot of time to think too, which yes, hopefully, depending on Justice League, is a good thing or yeah. a bad thing. We'll have to wait and see. Um, and apparently we don't have to wait too long to see a Venom movie. What? <laughs> uh, because Sony apparently has given the film an October 5th, 2018 release date, the date previously held by uh, Aquaman. Venom has now slid in there. And uh, reports came out that Alex Kurtzman, the director of The Mummy and the writer of Amazing Spider-Man 2, was in place to direct. Those have since been debunked. But the Howard Reporter has said that Scott Rosenberg and Jeff Pinkner are currently writing or have written the latest draft of the film. So what do you think of a Venom movie potentially now coming out in like a year and a half? Ooh, I am. I, I love this idea so much, but the work and the, the people behind it don't seem to be like Marvel people, which worries me a little bit. Or a lot. Uh, or a lot. <laughs> yeah, because initially, as as soon as I heard this news, my mind started racing. This is genius. Build Venom upon his own movies, and then intersect him with Spider-Man in Spider-Man's second movie. Mm-hmm. Then Carnage in the third. You've done all this backstory. <laughs> with Lin-Manuel Miranda, yes, yeah. Yes, absolutely. I can't, I can't wait to get into our review here. I get to talk about him again. Um, so this all sounded great, and then it started sounding like, oh, doesn't sound like this is something Marvel sanctioned yeah. type deal. And that, that's not a bad thing. They could always say, hey, can we cross this over with Spider-Man? And they'll probably say, sure. So hopefully maybe there's some, hey, do this, do that, do this, do that type deal. Uh, but the initial idea, love this so much. With one slight caution is, can they please cross it over into um, Spider-Man? Yeah, Um that's the concern for me because I don't know if they are going to cross over Spider-Man. It doesn't seem like it. And I know like we talked like the Venom solo movie has been something we talked about like in like the early days of the podcast like, where like episode two type deal. Yeah. Like, yeah. Very early on. And I said it then. I don't know exactly what I said, but I said, if it's not part of the MCU, I don't care. And I still have that mindset because I don't, I don't get it from Sony's perspective. Why? You just launched this new deal with Marvel Studios to bring Spider-Man into the MCU. I understand probably from their perspective, they're thinking we're sitting on all of these characters that could have their own movies. And Marvel is saying, no, 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 no. You have to wait. You have to wait. and We'll get a Venom movie out in 2025. And they're like, that's too long. We don't know if it's, we don't know if it's like the superhero boom is still going to be existing at that point. We have to do this now. And they're going, whatever, we're going to make a Venom movie. It's going to be like, all set in space or something all about the symbiote and it's going to be so separate from everything else that's happening that it doesn't directly contradict the MCU continuity that we're currently existing in, but it's also completely separate and I could get it from a business standpoint. Why, why you would want to do that? Yeah. Because Venom is a beloved Marvel character. Uh, he has a lot of fans behind him. And if you're Sony, you're saying I, we, we need to capitalize on this, but at the same time, why wouldn't you just wait until he can be part of the MCU and do it that way 
especially when you have the guys behind Amazing Spider-Man 2 basically have their fingerprints all over this. And if it's just Sony, then it gives me no confidence confidence that it'll be any better than that last Spider-Man movie they tried to make. Yeah, and but the other thing I'm thinking about here is just that we've seen two very successful R-rated superhero movies yeah. come out. And Venom is arguably one of Marvel's uh, up there in the other upper echelons of most violent heroes. I mean, I'd probably put him Deadpool, Wolverine, Venom. Yeah. Right, like, you know, side by side. And could they be making a play for something like that? Because Venom uh, is also weaponized at some point for mm-hmm. the military. Yeah. And so could that have a, a play in things? Maybe. And they make passing references to Spider-Man, but it's taking place in some, you know, some desert in the Mideast, Eurasia type place, and that's why we never get it. So uh, there's all these things I'm thinking about that make it worrisome when it's not Marvel. Um, but if they can seclude it enough, I could be like, okay, but I really want to see this cross because, I mean, don't we need Spider-Man before Venom or Ven- you- the symbiote to meet Spider-Man? I mean, yeah, get some, Venom. I mean, at some point, yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, continuity is worrisome, but yes. I wouldn't hate to see a Venom military-type movie. Yeah, I mean, if Marvel Studios comes out tomorrow or tonight and announces that this is part of the MCU, then I'll be, I'm t- I'll be totally on board. Even though I, am st- I would still be concerned at the fact that it would come out in a year and a half and we've heard nothing about the status of the scripts, stars attachment, a director, like there's seems like it's pretty bare bones as a project right now. And the fact that trying to turn that around so quickly worries me even more. So uh, I I have no idea. And I hope this project doesn't happen and we have to wait until we see Venom until he's in the MCU. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, we also got an update on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. James Gunn told Complex this week that it is happening or it will happen for sure, without a doubt, we are getting a third Guardians movie. Not surprising, but it's good to know. But he was still unconfirmed as to whether or not he would be involved. Uh, he said he this he's they're currently talking about what his involvement would be. So maybe maybe that means he's simply negotiating his contract to go. Okay, I want to do this movie, but I don't want to have to start production until 2019, so I can do this other small project and clear my mind and everything. As long as I think, as long as they give him that leeway, and I think Marvel should give James Gunn whatever he wants to make a Guardians three, do it because I'll be less excited for a Guardians three if James Gunn is not attached. Yeah, I mean it's hard. It's it's I think it's always hard to keep the creator of something on for three films with the level of energy and. Um, uh, you know the the enjoyment of the work, mm-hmm. it's, but that needs to be in these Marvel movies. Or these, I mean, you know, to yeah. make us excited about them because that was the best thing about Guardians of the Galaxy was it was James James Gunn's, you know, one of his favorite properties, mm-hmm. and you know, we've got to see Howard the Duck too, which was cool. Uh, anyway, I hope they let him do what he wants because I don't have a problem waiting, you know, maybe two and a half years for a Guardians movie or whatever the whatever the case oh, may yeah. be, as long as it's great. And does those guys justice? I would wait. I, I would. Li- I would. Wouldn't mind waiting for a Spider-Man movie for three years, as long as it's as long mm-hmm. as it's good. So, um, hopefully, this isn't him feeling fatigue, and it's maybe a contract thing, and he just wants to make sure he gets it right. Yeah, um, I mean, 
Kevin Feige has said before that like Guardians 3 is probably going to be one of the first films of Phase 4, which would put it in a 2020 release date. So if it comes out the first week of May, just like this next um, Guardians movie is going to do in 2020, then James Gunn would have all the rest of 2017 to not do anything related to Guardians. He would probably have to start on the script sometime 2018, but he wouldn't have to start production until 2019. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of time between what he'd be doing. I mean, it's basically the same amount of time between Guardians and Guardians 2, and he still wrote Belko, but I feel like even if, you know, they have to go and say, he's like he goes and says, I need a couple more months between. They say, okay, that's fine. We'll, we'll give you June instead, and we'll put doctor strange 2 in may instead like there's there's so many properties marvel's at, at their disposal there's no reason to rush guardians 3 unless they're planning on that having like a major like post infinity war fallout like unless a lot of that is going to come from guardians then i say you wait and you let james gunn do his thing but if he doesn't i've said it on the podcast before if he ha- if he has to leave if he can't come back for whatever reason just bring Taika Waititi over from Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yes. Give him Guardians 3. I think he'd be a great fit. Uh, and, you know, obviously, he's already part of the Marvel family. And maybe we can get, like, Thor part of that universe and everything. It'd be super cool. Uh, we'll have to wait and see uh, whether or not James Gunn is part of it. And the last bit of news we have for this episode is a Matrix reboot of sorts is in the work. The Howard Reporter revealed that WB is in the early stages of developing a reboot uh, they're hoping it would be kind of this wide sprawling mega franchise of its own that could include like a young Morpheus movie potentially. Uh, they reportedly are I and Michael B. Jordan to be the lead, um, but it's unclear if that would be part of if he'd be the lead of the new trilogy or maybe he'd play the young Morpheus or something. Um, and then Zach Penn is currently uh, on board to write and work on the concept of this uh, new trilogy and everything. And he said on Twitter this week that it's not a straight reboot uh, because you can't reboot Matrix. Cause, so I feel like it's more going to be a retelling and kind of just a reintroduction to the franchise and everything. You're looking at me kind of a weird faces about the story. Are uh, you on board I'm, for more Matrix movies? Uh, I mean, listen, the first Matrix is classic, hands down. The Matrix Reloaded. Lots of great stuff. Keanu Reeves, full power, flying, kicking Agent Smith butt all over the place. But then Revolution was just weird on so many levels. Uh, but now we need a Matrix rebooted? Like, come yeah, on. That's a great title, though. I know. They have to call it that or else I won't see it at all. <laughs> but I don't see a reason for it. Like, we've seen this universe. It's cool. It was awesome. It was the height of cyberpunk or whatever, whatever that was called, you know. Sure. Um, uh, but a soft reboot. What is that? What is that? I mean, we talked about that I think earlier. But what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Are you resetting? Are you telling the same story but only with different people? Uh, are you telling an earlier story, or are you starting like Episode Seven did, Star Wars, and picking up from a point where the Matrix was just being founded? Yeah. Or how do you? What's the why? Mm-hmm. That's what I'm wondering. The why is Matrix has that notab- that yeah. notability with it. Like people know what the Matrix is. Uh, I don't remember how 
Revolutions ends. I I remember being like that. It's weird. Yeah, it's, um, it's awkward. But so I don't I don't know exactly what they could do. But whether that whether it is you know maybe Keanu has stepped in and he is like the new Morpheus basically, and then he finds Michael B. Jordan or maybe I mean I mean I think there's a lot of possibilities to go with a new matrix movie and i I think i'm like the one person i feel like that's like on board for more matrix movies sure because it is a cool concept um and i love michael b jordan as an actor so anything he's attached to i'm in for yeah even if it's fan four stick or whatever like (laughs) i i'll be there for michael b jordan yeah this is the best possible pitch for a matrix you know reboot or Mm -hmm. whatever but like I just don't see where it goes because at the end of revolutions, they he basically strikes a deal with the AI overlords that we can go out into the real world, but if people want to leave the matrix, you have to let them too. So they, oh, yeah. they basically like coexist. And then Keanu Reeves is blind now too, by the way, which I don't think they explain how that happens. <laughs> uh, so maybe there's like this thing where they actually didn't leave the matrix when they left yeah, the matrix. Maybe it's a second matrix, it's a dr- matrix within a matrix yeah, it's like type deal. Yeah, I, I think there's like a, I think there's a theory about that uh, online, but maybe they do that. But if Michael B. Jordan's in it, I won't roll my eyes until I see the first trailer. How yeah. about that? Yeah, I mean, Fair? I think this also depends on who else they get involved. Like, if they sign Ridley Scott to direct a Matrix movie, or Dennis Villeneuve. Yeah, definitely that one instead of Ridley Scott. Uh, yeah, that would definitely pique my interest a ton. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if he's interested in the Matrix reboot. No, and he's, he's, already, he's already doing Dune, and he has, I think, lots of plans for that franchise. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I'm in for more Matrix movies. I think there's so many possibilities where they could go. Uh, whether that is starting again inside the Matrix or trying to maybe work in the real world and fighting back in some capacities i mean i I mean you could even go i mean if they want to go back in time to a young morpheus movie you could tell more of that story of how morpheus came to power and like that initial wave of finding out that the matrix is even a thing like i think i think there's a lot of possibilities you could play with uh which is why i'd be in for it and that's that's it really yeah We'll, 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 we will see. Yes, we will. I mean, unless it doesn't happen because yeah. it is in the early stages, so there's no, you know, confirmed like release date or anything. And this is definitely going to happen at this specific point. So it could be another 12 years before we hear anything about a Matrix reboot. You never know. Um, but we did get a, a reboot. Re- uh, we got a remake of Beauty and the Beast. Remix. Remix. Uh, Beauty and the Beast this week and with uh, a live action CGI hybrid of the uh, classic Disney animated tale. And uh, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I mean, I don't know why there's a lot of people hate on it, I guess, unless I think that comes with the attachment to the original where it's like, if you've, if you've read a book series and you're a big fan of that book series or a comic or a TV series or anything that gets adapted to the big screen, you're going, well, they have to do everything exactly the same. You can't make any changes because the first way is perfect. Um, and in many ways, the original classic animated Beauty and the Beast movie is perfect. Like, yeah. it's it's great. Like, there's no denying it. it has great songs that everybody knows, great characters. Um, but I think there is room to expand 
and they definitely did that with this one. I mean, it's another, I think like 30 minutes uh, added on there. Um, I don't think it necessarily needs all those minutes. I think you could condense it a little bit. Um, and I, I don't think it's as good as the original because oh, the original okay. is so like, well, it just, it's just held to such a high regard and being one of the best Disney animated movies. It's, I mean, it's a classic for a reason. Um, and I, I I think the the biggest, well, not the biggest positive, but I think Emma Watson as Belle, like she works. She works really well. Um, I mean, I totally bought her as the character. I mean, she just kind of fit fit the mold oh, in yeah, such totally. an easy way. Um, I mean, it has an incredible voice cast um, with Dan Stevens as the Beast. You have uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, Ian McKellen, Gugumbatha Raw, uh, Emma Emma Thompson. Um, so many others like yeah. Stanley Tucci's in there for a yeah, little bit he's uh, a I mean there there's a ton of people involved uh, I don't think all of them work in some case like I think you and McGregor you, you could have gotten a French guy to do that <laughs> and have it and have it actually work a little better because his accent is a little you're like because you can you, you can tell that it's you and McGregor but it's like but in my head I'm like I know you're not French mm-hmm. so it's a little like in my mind, it doesn't click as well. Um, but yeah. it, but I mean, he's not, he's not bad in the role. Like, so like, I think it's just like almost a nitpick in some, in some cases. Um, I thought Josh Gad as LeFou was really good. Um, all the controversy around his character beforehand, totally overblown in my opinion. Way. Um, if those reports didn't come out that he was gay in the movie, you could hardly know. Like you could, you'd have like, like those thoughts of like, <laughs> Huh, maybe he is that, but like you wouldn't necessarily know for a fact that he is. Yeah. Be- and now that it just kind of like Bill Conn and the director just said, you know, it has a, we have the first Disney gay moment and it was like, Oh my gosh, like what is he doing on the screen? And it's just like, it's nothing really. Like it was, I was like, that was it. Two seconds. Maybe, maybe. I and, mean, it, yeah, it, it flashes so quickly where it's like, there were people after this whole thing got overblown. People were saying like, you know, if this didn't come out, a lot of people would probably just miss right past it. And afterwards, I since how I saw it with my sisters, I was asking them. I was like, like, uh, they're like, wait, what moment are you talking about? And I was like, the moment at the end. And like, oh, I didn't even notice it. And I'm like, exactly. Like, yeah, it was it was such a big deal for nothing. Um, the biggest takeaway I had from this movie though was Luke Evans. I mean, him as Gaston okay. was absolutely perfect. Um, him singing, uh, you know, all the songs was great. He just like in the anime movie, Gaston is so huge where he's, he is not realistic. <laughs> like he's too big. I mean, he's basically the rock in animated form. Right. Um, and Luke Evans isn't quite as big as the rock, but he like, he totally had the charm. Uh, he looked the part, like, I mean, his like voice was really good. I didn't know he could sing that well. Um, and I would totally like, I was almost rooting for him in certain places. Cause I just liked Luke Evans as him so much, even though he was, not a good guy right um so i would definitely i would love to see more of that character even though it's, it's not hap- that's not possible unless they do like a a young gaston movie <laughs> yeah, uh, with the foe in the war yeah uh yeah i mean that, that's just not happening but uh some of the negatives i had i i think the added time isn't necessary i mean it tries to kind of add to this lore and everything um mm. and a lot of that time i was just like okay but I never like watching the anime movie a couple of days before. I never questioned 
I never had those questions anyways. It was like, man, I, you know, I really wish I knew more about, you know, Dan, like what beast was like as a human or like what happened with his parents or what happened with Mel Bell's mother. Like, I don't need all that. And then they added a couple of new songs. Some were okay. There's like a beast solo number where I was like, I don't need this. Cause it, it just felt so forced. Like, well, we need beast to have his own moment too. And it just didn't work for me. It was a little too brooding. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's really it for my negatives. Like there's, there's not a ton. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty formulaic. It's very much like the original. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why some people don't like it. Um, because it is so much like the original. I mean, they'd use all the same songs. They use a lot of the same dialogue, like quote for quote, like, you know what they're going to say next. Um, but I, I didn't mind that. I mean, maybe yeah. some more originality would have, could have helped a little bit. Um, Bill Conan's like directing style and his the way he was shooting the movie was hit and miss. Um, there were some shots, like there were moments where he's like doing pans across like the room and like when their dances off where it's just like, he moved it too fast where I was like, I don't like it was blurry and I couldn't tell what was happening. Um, I know that like bothered my sisters as well. So I was like, I, I, like it wasn't my, just me. Um, like there were moments where like, it was just like he, all these weird swooping shots. And like, I feel like you could just like concentrate on the people themselves and it would have worked a little yeah, better. It, almost, it was like, almost like he was trying to homage the original where they show you this right way too grand hall for them yeah. to be dancing in. And then in reality, they're in this much smaller, more realistic uh-huh. hall. So yeah. I noticed that. Um, yeah. I mean, that, I mean, that's really it. Um, so I'm going to give it four ticket stubs out of five. Oh, all right. Well, awesome. I mean, I have to agree with you on a lot of the levels, although I'm going to say Ian McGregor's accent, while it's a, it's a little too a little Scottish, I thought he did a good French accent and he totally became my favorite character. I mean, Lumiere uh, as this guide or the, the conniving one um, uh, of him and Cogsworth of the two headmasters mm-hmm. of the house. I, I love that dynamic of between him and sir ian mckellen i thought that was uh, that was by far one of my favorite parts of the movie um but yeah it's the same predictable story uh which is good because you know what to expect but also disappointing because they've remixed a couple classic tales yeah and i thought they've been the better for it like maleficent but the movie's best when it's playing to its strength as like the musical. Yeah. Because I don't think of the animated movie as a musical mm-hmm. as often as much as I should. Um, and from the opening number, uh, Bell, I think that's what I think that's what it is, right? I'm not sure what it's called, but yeah. like anyway. Maybe it's just like good morning. I don't know right. what it is. Or bonjour or whatever yeah. the case is. I, I love that. That starts the movie off with this like I want to live in this village mm-hmm. type deal. And I thought that was terrific. Um, be our guest as well. I blown away by that. It was a little bit kookier than um, the original. But that was fantastic. I loved it. Um, they didn't do any really changes. I think they may have added a verse, but mm, which one? Oh, I think it comes somewhere like through the middle where he's lamenting about him and the candlesticks, or talking about how him and the candlesticks. When he's like by like the table and he's like holding like yeah. Uh, you might be right. I feel like something similar was in the original. Okay. Though. Um and yeah, I thought that was just fantastic. Uh. The grounding of the movie too, like I thought that was interesting. The the library in the town, there was yeah. six books as opposed to like the cartoon was like I've got a whole wall here, uh-huh. which makes when the beast takes her into that library so much cooler because she's right. like, oh I've never read any of these. As well, especially because 
his new library is definitely not as grand as the one in the the comic like yeah. the comics the anime movie right and i thought that i thought that made for a, a cooler i thought it was sweet um and the part that you think you didn't like i love the bell's backstory mm-hmm. because it dealt with the plague like you know which is wreaking havoc in france and one of the move this movie really solidified that hey this movie's in france which i loved but anyway i just finished reading a book about the black plague mm-hmm. and how people would leave their children in the streets because there was no cure for it and like watching that happen on screen like just after i closed the lid on a book for that i was like oh that's devastating and i i appreciated that um but my only eye roll move moment in the movie happened when the father came along to the castle it was almost like he was too bold into like showing up yeah. at this huge creepy castle i was like dude would you really just do it that fast yeah like, oh i'm just gonna sit here woman by the fire oh i'm just gonna eat this food mm-hmm. like yeah <laughs> he's like because he pulls up there after the wolves chase him and he gives his horse food and wine he's like okay well i'll go thank our host uh, this castle is, looks like it's, you know, falling apart for the last 100 years. So I'll just go on it anyway mm-hmm. or whatever it is. But I thought that was just I'm like, OK, but fine. We need to get him here anyway. Um, and, you know, Gaston with Luke Evans. Perfect. Uh, like and like you said, a great humanizing way. I love the idea of Lafoe being his caretaker in a sense, mm-hmm. like, you know, having to brush up his ego all the time because Gaston gets really down right. about it. Like he's the reason he may be so high on himself yeah. or whatever the case may be. Um, but the Gaston number too, like made me feel like it was a musical. Mm-hmm. And I really loved that. It reminded me of the song from Fiddler in the Roof uh, to Life where there's a bunch of drunk old guys, uh, you know, singing a song about like how great they've made their lives or whatever. And I thought that was perfect. Uh, so that was great. The, the mu- So music was terrific. Um, it wasn't totally different, which was fine. I wish they would have remixed it a little bit, but you know, at the end of the day, I would give it four and a half ticket stubs too. Four and a half. Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, one of the scenes that I I guess I don't know if this is I guess this is kind of a spoiler since it's not part of the original. So this is something new for this movie. Um, one of the new like segments I didn't like as much was when Bell's dad had come back to the village and then Gaston like was trying to be noble and was like, "I will help you go find the beast." And I was like, "Okay, they're they're not going to do the whole mocking thing and throw him in jail. Like, that's that's a different take. I'm, I'm in for it." But then it's just kind of like him and LeFou and Bell's dad you know, on a, on a buggy. And then like, he tried to kill him. Yeah. And then like, like he randomly goes, like he, like some other lady finds him, like the bell's dad brings him back to her house. And then they like get back to the village before Gaston does somehow. And, uh, <laughs> then like, it's all about like who's right and who's wrong. Who's telling the truth. And then like, it's the going, Nope, this old man's crazy. And like the one girl wouldn't be like, no, like I, like I, I rescued him. Like I know it's legit. Right. And they're, they're trying, they're playing off the whole, you guys are just nuts and crazy and homeless people were like actual people kind of. Yeah. Class um, type deal. Yeah. Like, I don't know. That whole scene didn't work for me as well as the original where he just like comes back and then like, and Belle leaves, you know, on her own because just cause she misses her father, not because he's being tormented already. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I, 
I think, well, the girl that finds him is actually, I mean, turns out to be the enchantress, right? That's what I thought. But then like, I don't know. It was like, it was, they weirdly kind of like played with it where she like took him to like that, like home in like the forest. But then she was also at the, like the pub and was like working there and everything. I was like, so are you a villager? Are you the enchantress? What are you? Yeah. And earlier in the movie, she's begging in the street too. I noticed yeah. that. I'm like, okay, wait, she doesn't have a job. Wait, no, she works there now. Or would, did she go with him? To- yeah. I don't know. It almost looked like she was like tending the fire. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's what, like, it was confusing where I was like, you don't really ever get like a really clear look at her face where you're like, okay. Like she's not like, I don't know. She's not a distinguished face. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, yes, you are that same person you could have like it could have been three different homeless women right. and i i yeah. wouldn't know any better sure thing yeah you could give credit that like random villager two random exactly. villager three all played by the same person yeah so yeah i totally get that um i was kind of blown away though they did a good job portraying like the battle in the hall did you did you like that the, uh, the fight amongst the villagers and the um yeah i mean i thought it was fine uh i was like kind of confused at first like wait how come the uh, the big wardrobe isn't there at the door because she's like the one in the anime movie like because she's just so big where she is the one to hold everything back and then like yeah. and, so they're, and they're pounding on the door for like like a minute straight and in this one they like, they pound twice and they break through mm-hmm. and I was like I, I know you try to speed things up sure. but it's like <laughs> but I mean yeah it was fine uh, I mean I wasn't I mean that's probably not one of my favorite moments of the original uh, anyways, so it didn't really matter to me. And okay, cool. This is my last thing that I've got for negative. Mm-hmm. And I should have mentioned earlier, but the beast still, even though he was better than I thought he was going to be, um, anything that wasn't the eyes with Dan Stevens, you know, CGI creation there, I just it just felt too too out of place. Yeah. I bet, I mean, your only other option for them to do is like a Chewbacca. Yeah. And that, that doesn't work at exactly. all either. So uh, I I still didn't like him a lot, but I thought Dan Stevens did a great job. Yeah, I all. think the difference here is like why people are like kind of nitpicking. I mean, it's, I don't think it's a nitpick. I think what people are criticizing the CGI effects of him or maybe just the design of him in general is because unlike the jungle book he is like the only cgi heavy thing and what otherwise is a very real environment so it's easy to hit for him to stand out as being like you don't belong here that's a good point whereas in the jungle book you know obviously you know blue and kirshan like uh, kirshan like they don't like they don't look exactly like a real life animal but they look good enough and there's only it's all fake stuff around them with just mowgli we were like I buy this. Yeah, it's two different visual languages yeah. kind of clashing. Okay, that, that's a really good way to think about it. And that does make me appreciate it a little bit more, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think, I mean, I know there's people who are complaining about the design, that his horns are different and everything. And like, no. yes, okay, uh-huh. sure. But, I mean, what what else do you, I mean, what else do you want, That's I guess? the definition of nitpicking, <laughs> yeah, okay? So. But, I mean, that's where we're at, though, with this movie, yeah. is everything else is grand. Like, okay, well... I can't, it can't be perfect. What is wrong with exactly. it? Exactly. And I think that's the position I found myself in at the end of this. Like I do with more than a few movies. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just like the reason this one is like, you know, a full star lower than jungle book is jungle book. I was so blown away by the visuals and I thought jungle mm-hmm. book was a much better improvement on the story as well, yeah. where that one was superior to the original by far. This one is like, 
it's basically on the same plane for me, but for me, all the a lot of the extra stuff didn't work as well. Where I was like, so it, it's not as good. So by that mindset, it has to be yeah. a little lower than mm-hmm. what I would rate the original yeah. one. I mean, in common day talking, I would say you just pick which one you like. Yeah. I mean, you for your five year old Beauty and the Beast, thirteen year old live action version. Yeah. Y'all, y'all good. So, uh, that's all I have for that's it. That's all I have. Um, so, uh, we'll be back next week with a review of Power Rangers. Yes, sir. Um, maybe we'll do a mini review of Life if we both see it as well, but there's no guarantees on that. So, we will for sure be doing an interview of Power Rangers uh, next week. Why are you interested in this movie? Well, first of all, grew up on the Power Rangers. Okay. Um, thought they were like the coolest thing ever because I didn't know about you know, Captain America for some reason. Right. Or, you know, any other superhero. So I love that idea. Plus, Billy, the Blue Ranger, he was blue. I thought that was awesome. That's my <laughs> favorite color. Uh, but anyway, they would battle aliens every week. And this, you know, remix, this retelling of them looks awesome. I don't think it follows along with what Brian Cranston promised of a Dark Knight style movie. Mm-hmm. But it looks aspirational. It looks like this gang has a lot of um, chemistry together and could lead to some awesome moments and some kick-butt action. So I cannot wait to see if this becomes a franchise I want to see. Yeah. Yeah, for me, uh, I'm a fan of the director, Dean Israelite, from Project Almanac. Uh, I did also like, kind of grow up on the Power Rangers. Like I remember watching on Saturday mornings in my room, but the stories of those, I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah, like, they don't hold up. Uh, I don't know, like... I wouldn't have been able to tell you a couple months ago, like that Goldar, Rita Repulsa, Zordon, or like are part of the Power Rangers door. Cause I just remember kids in Power Ranger suits and then there's Zords. Like yeah. that's it. Super awesome robots. Um, so for me, like I'm not expecting too much out of it, but I do think it's just going to be a fun movie. I mean, the original, you know, TV shows, they're super campy, super cheesy, and I feel like it's going to embrace that in a sense where the first couple of trailers looked like it was going to be more serious. But since then, they've been having a little more fun with it, and I've liked that. I feel like as long as I can come out of that having a good time, then that's all I, that's all I need yeah. from that. Um, and I like a lot of the cast. Like I like R.J. Seiler already um, from Me and the Dying Girl. Uh, 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 I can't remember the Yellow Ranger's name. Um but she was an empire for a while, the TV show. And I really liked her on that. And, uh, I'm, so I, and I'm intrigued to see the rest of the cast as well. Plus, obviously, we have Elizabeth Banks as Rita Repulsa. I love Elizabeth Banks and everything. So her as a villain, I think, is a new twist for her. Um, and I'm interested to see that. So I feel like it should just be fun. Uh, I know there's a mid credit scene. So make sure you stay for that as mm-hmm. well maybe some other stuff as well i don't know there's reports out there online that i'm trying not to read so i could be surprised by what else is uh going to happen in the movie but i feel like it should be fun and that's really all i that's all i want yeah same here um and you know what if, if this movie's great and we need to learn these actors names 100 percent, at least me anyway <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll know them yes uh so that's it for this episode before we head out the winner of our Kong Skull Island poster is Lisa S on Twitter. Lisa at Lisa Sparkles One. So if you're listening to this, Lisa, send us a message on Twitter. We'll get this poster to you. If we don't hear from you for a couple of days, 
we'll reach out to you and send it over. Um, but congratulations on winning. Thank you for everybody who also shared our episode and, you know, tried to win this as well. We'll have another giveaway at some point this year, uh, probably multiple. So keep listening to find out if we're going to do new ones as well. Um, so, but that's it for this episode. So during our time, we'll be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by between us at friends and film where you will receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. And if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe, share, retweet, and more. Plus, you can head over to iTunes and give us a five-star review with comments so other people can hear about us and you guys can find give us more friends of the show. That'd be greatly appreciated. Um, but that's it for this episode. Josh. Thanks for stopping by, everyone. And thanks again for tuning in to the Friends and Fun Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week for a review of Sabin's The Power Rangers.